Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I am uh, your host, Steve, and I am joined by my co-host, Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. Uh, I am on the red team moving forward through the film, and Kevin is on the blue team moving backwards through the film. How are you, Kevin? Oh, you know, I'm good. It's nice being uninverted and being able to take your mask off. Uh, <laughs> breathe some fresh. Breathe some non-inverted air. I bet. I bet. Yeah. How do they yeah. invert the air? Do they take oxygen tanks in there with them? Uh, wow. Let's think about that. So if they are, well. Oh, no. You're breathing CO2, right? Well. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, ah, put a pin in that. <laughs> wow just, they address- just, i like within 60 seconds of the show starting you're just opening up a can of worms uh, i think they what- address it and i don't remember if it's inverted oxygen that they're breeding or if they're breathing in co2 and expelling oxygen um, either yeah. way it doesn't make any scientific sense whatsoever <laughs> um at Tenet Men on, on twitter let us know what you think what's in those tanks what is in those tanks so much logistics and in being inverted. I mean, just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of like eating, do you throw up? <laughs> there's, there's so much un- unexplored in, in that. They're spending weeks in that shipping container. Right. But the shipping container, like the contents inside the shipping container, it's like the environment is set up in such a way that it's not inverted. Right. That's why they, they go in shipping containers. Cause they, so like... they can act with other uh, inverted people. Right. It's just like, like when you go through the turnstile, uh, or at least like when you go through the turnstile in, not in the, um, what's it called? In the, the not, not at the airport, not the at the airport. Yeah. yeah. Not at the free port, but at the, at the other one, at the end of the car chase scene, um, like you don't need a, an oxygen or you don't need a tank when you get to the other side because the other side is set up for you right. to be inverted. Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah and you're, and you're segregated. There has to be that wall between the two. So you're completely cut off from the other side. Right. Uh. Fascinating stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't know the answers to any of that. Um, if you're just tuning in, we don't answer many things. We, <laughs> ask, we ask way more questions than we answer. And thank you for joining mm-hmm. us. Yes. So, uh, yeah, my minute today is minute 1121 to 1221. And uh, just heads up, not not an exciting minute, folks. Uh, it shouldn't take us too long to get through that. What What's your minute? Oh, my minute is uh, at two hours, uh, 12 minutes, uh, 21 seconds. I'm moving forward through uh, to uh, 13 minutes, 21 seconds. And I, I, I'm still within the third act hustle and bustle. Um, but we're delving more into uh, a conversation than action uh, in my minute too. Good. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just jump into it then. So my minute starts at eleven twenty-one. We pick up where we left off last week, entering the windmill uh, after we talked uh, after after the worst dialogue in the film <laughs> with Faye 
Um, and now we're going into our 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 box. This is our, our Schrodinger's box, right? We have to stay hidden so that we can't see any of the events that unfold. Otherwise, they cannot be modified or something like that. That's That, that was the conclusion we came to last week. Yeah, I'm not so sure why. he. I think he just needs to be like like they, it, this is like a shell game where they're just hiding him somewhere to re the emergence of society. I don't necessarily think he has to be segregated at this point. Hmm. Um, right. I don't know. Do you I have don't... a different interpretation of why he's in the windmill. I, because he's got to be in the box, right? Like he can't see the events that unfold because he, Nick, the knowledge needs to stay divided. If he knows what happens, then he'll be, he won't be able to change it in the right way. True. Yeah. Hmm. I thought this was the conclusion we came to. It was like it is. The, it is. I'm just like he hasn't been inverted yet. So there's no, no, he's not inverted. He's yeah. traveling. He's traveling through normal time, like the rest of us plebs, mm-hmm. and he, uh, yeah, he'll get to. I guess like what are the events that are happening that he has to stay hidden from? It must be like is no, I, I don't know. We see these windmills again. <laughs> Like he passes by them. We do. We do this in, again. Yeah. Yeah. In his trip back in time to the beginning of the film. Right. Um, yeah. So we, do I, this, I, we do this I, inverted. Yeah, I think this is mostly just a shell game. In my, it just I might be wrong. Um, and if you have a theory, put it in. Uh, write a review right now for how good or bad you think this podcast is, and tell us what your uh, interpretation of why he's in the windmill. Is, but I think they're just dropping him off in the windmill to spend some time and then get picked up like he's a crew member and reshuffled into society. So nobody, there's no record of him reemerging or anything. It's a spy. I mean, this is just spycraft, I think. Oh, I don't think so. I think he's there to, to not witness the events that are unfolding so that he has the opportunity to, to go through them inverted and change the, and change I them. I guess so. What would be in. I'm trying to think what would be going on in this time. Would the airport thing be going on? Would the car chase heist thing be going on? So like just thinking about the timeline. I think both those things might be going on. No, they're not. They're not because he's going to come out and both of those things are going to happen. Yes. Neither of those things have happened yet. So I don't think there's anything... There's anything in, later in the movie that's really happening here, other than we're yeah, going to we're going to go through this again as as an in, inverted people just to get back to the yeah get back to the, the time of the opera house siege. I'm open to either interpretation. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure it's important to the movie. <laughs> uh, we are here to overthink everything. In this movie. <laughs> yes. So I think it is important. <laughs> uh, anyway, so 11:21, we're entering the windmill. Uh, he sits down, he opens up a bag of stuff. He's got an orange work vest. Uh, he pulls out a gun. He plays with the gun. He checks for rounds. Uh, and he finds like a little black cylinder. And uh, the contents inside the cylinder is another suicide pill, which is the only time we see this this second suicide pill. I think in the rest of the movie, we don't see this again. Uh, but, but it begs but the question, is it real or is it fake? How can you trust the suicide pill? <laughs> right. Morning? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> fool me once. I don't think so. <laughs> no, thanks. Not interested in your coma pills. And that's a hell of a suicide pill. For, it, it's got to lower his heart rate enough to be undetected. Like, that's a, a 
I don't know how you can have a that convincing of a suicide pill. I mean, maybe the maybe those the the Russian driver just didn't try very hard, right? They assumed he was dead. Yeah, still, they'd still like put a bullet in him, though, right? Just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah there's a lot of loose ends um, to that suicide pill. Yeah. Thing. Um, but anyway, it's, <laughs> I it's I don't even know if it like does it really need to be in the scene? Like they probably could have cut that out and saved two seconds. Yeah. Um, Again, same pill we I've already talked about. We see Seder playing with that. That's the pill he's going to take. That's true. That is a good point. But yeah, <laughs> it, again, this points to my 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 theory that the algorithm actually does nothing. <laughs> actually, you know what's because, funny is like, hold on, hold on, on your thought, like if because Seder does have the pill at the end, but like, isn't it? Wouldn't it just be hilarious if it was another fake and he takes but, it and, <laughs> and he wakes up and. <laughs> Like what? Whatever. Like the thing goes. Like I don't even. He's like, is, is this the afterlife? <laughs> no, like, no, he would have no, to keep you... living, right? Yeah, yeah, because he. Ugh, wait, what's happened to Seth? Oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh... all time would be uh, whatever. I don't know. Again, we don't see the algorithm go up, so we have no idea what it actually does. If it actually you're getting, works, you're getting, it's you're all getting fake. You're getting us off track. The algorithm. Um, go ahead. The, the <laughs> algorithm is real. Like I think your your theory is nonsense. <laughs> the algorithm inverts the world and destroys the universe as we know it. It's it's a question of faith, which we'll get to in my minute. <laughs> Good. Yes. Fantastic. Um, let me please let me get through my uneventful minute here. <laughs> so uh, that takes a whole twenty seconds, and then we're up to eleven forty one, where we are climbing the ladder because why not? This is like for the next 40 seconds in my minute here, we're basically a hamster in a cage here because um, we're just repeating some stuff. But we climb the ladder, like some exercise, we do some push-ups, and then we break to uh, him playing with the gun again, uh, which if I had a gun in a windmill, I'd probably play with it a lot too. So no... Uh, it's not no much fault. going on in there. Right. Yeah. Um, 11.53, he wakes up um, and then repeat, back up the ladder, play with the gun <laughs> And then he's, he does some chin-ups, uh, you know, at the halfway point on the ladder, which is pretty dangerous, right? Because if he falls from there, he's going to be very badly injured. I don't know. Like, why not just go a couple steps up and do your chin-ups from there? Like, why do you have to go all the way to the top and do them? It's, I mean, I imagine, I imagine he's created some sort of a schedule for himself <laughs> that um, he just has to complete. Like, maybe he's going every five um, rungs he's doing. Yeah, but like, uh, 10, what happens? Like, what happens when you get to the top and like your arms are tired and now you can't climb back down? <laughs> well, the adrenaline will push you through at that point. It's <laughs> he's creating motivational. Uh... <laughs> it's, uh, it's the whole like fear of death thing, right? Like you can you can get through anything if if that fear. It's this is Batman all over again. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, me and my wife have different exercise styles. We're both uh, doing triathlons and marathons this year, and sometimes. Um, like she'll be she's always talking about like using stationary but she uses stationary bikes and treadmills and stuff and i never do that i always go out i always do out and backs um and sometimes like i'll tell her i'm like yeah well sometimes if i want to do 20 miles the only way to be sure i'll actually hit that 20 miles is if i run 10 miles away and of course there's only one way back <laughs> i'm doing 20 miles that day i've done um, that i've done that on the bike uh, I wanted yeah. to do 50 miles once, so I went 25 miles out, 
And then on the way back, I think I had like a heat stroke. <laughs> oh my God. And I had to stop like, I was like five miles from home too, which was the biggest bummer. But I remember just stopping <laughs> and laying down on like a park bench for like a half hour because I was so sick. <laughs> yeah. So that's da- dangerous. You're playing I've, a dangerous game. We, uh, the first time me and my wife did 50 miles together, we did 100 miles. No, the first time we did 100 miles was on the seattle to portland bike ride we had never done over 50 miles and then it's 200 miles total 100 miles each day the first day we were like fuck (laughs) what have you signed up for we got into a fight we did not even sleep next like where we were sleeping we slept in completely different ends of the campsite because we were so angry at each other wow we almost got divorced um we fell back in love the second day, but we were <laughs> that night. I was like going to bed thinking this might be the end of us. <laughs> I think we need to dive into the details of what happened there. I think there <laughs> might be a story there. there might yeah. be... <laughs> this, this is, this was never about the bike ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other things came up throughout the day. <laughs> um, Let's get back to the minute here. Uh, so yeah, anyway, up really high in the ladder, doing some chin-ups, uh, and then back back sleeping again, uh, except this time he wakes up because there's a, a ship horn blowing, uh, mm. which wakes him up. He immediately grabs his gun, uh, <laughs> and then he opens up the bag and looks like he's going to uh, get dressed, and that's where my minute ends at uh, yeah. 12.21, uh, shirtless, looking through the bag. Um and then about to blend in in my next minute. Over to you. Oh my team, God. Okay. Team Blue. Diving right into the action mm-hmm. with uh, our, our Team Blue, uh, Neil. The other, the only thing I'll bring up is a little bit of this happened in my life. We saw the end of the conversation on the phone between the protagonist who's locked behind the door with Ives who's arriving in pain. Uh, Volkov, who's screwing around with the equipment to drop the algorithm, and he's talking to Sater, who is on the boat, speaking kind of loudly um, with the cat right behind him during this whole conversation. I didn't bring it up then, um, but uh, the only thing I'll mention is just prior to this, um, they're they're talking about um, God. Um, so apparently, Sater has found some sort of religion. Um, in all of this, um, there is some stuff that is in this script that I have that is not in the final movie. Just a couple of lines. There's a couple of lines just before this, um, and there's one coming up that is omitted. But I'll, I'll let you know which line it is. Um, uh, but that, that's not where we start. That's just we're in the middle of that conversation. But we're cutting to Neil, who is in his um, cool camo truck. A nice uh, SUV style. You could seat a family of six comfortably, I think. Um, and he's cruising through uh, the Stalask 12 um, hellscape. He comes upon um, the protagonist and Ives. He's in forward motion at this point. Uh, no, yes, yes, he yep. is in forward motion at this point. Um, uh, and so he comes up behind Ives. He's honking his horn. He's screaming, wait, 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 as they run into the, the tunnel to get into the hypo center. Um, trying to stop them before the um, uh, the tripwire goes off. It doesn't work. Um, 
then we cut to, okay, the, the lady who's in charge of Blue Team, her name is Wheeler, according to the script. I don't know if that's ever stated. Um, we cut to her uh, leading uh, her team towards uh, the Chinooks that are lowering the containers where they will exfil. Um, in the script, it says that she sees the red team reassembling the anti-aircraft guns that will sh- apparently shoot at her as she's <laughs> flying away. <laughs> Which is just an interesting aspect of this. Uh, <laughs> the red team is disassembling them, uh, but the the blue team is re- but but from the blue team's perspective, they're reassembling them. Uh, that's I don't see that in the movie. It's just in the script. But uh, we do see Wheeler leading her team towards uh, their exfil um, center. Now we go back to into um, the hypo center. Um, Let's see. It is interesting that just before moving on, thinking about the observation perspective of all of this, Neil didn't see the tripwire go off before he inverted himself. He just saw it getting set up. Because if it went off, if he saw it go off, he would know there's nothing he could do about it. But he seems to be... Right, from his perspective, he got there late, right? Because yeah, like, if he had if he had gotten there earlier, he would have seen it gone off since it's all happening in reverse. So he gets there, and the tripwire is being set up. So he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it go off. He does not see it go off. So he knows. Yeah. So he, he's trying to stop them from going in that way through the tripwire. Um, but even if he is, but like even if he is able to stop them. Like he's hmm. leaving the tunnel open, which is an escape route, but they they wouldn't have had enough time to get out that way anyway. Yeah, it seems to be the and Volkov is also seems to be working with some sort of information too. Sure, I'm sure that he, he is. knows they're going in that way. He puts, sets up the tripwire in front of them to seal them in, and then he gets around them to be in there. Hmm. I get, if you do enough temporal pincer movements, doesn't everyone just end up dead in the end? It's like a it's like a real Shakespearean ending, right? Like it's just, it's, a, right. it's a snake. Any time travel device is a snake eating its own tail. Yeah, because like it's, if you just keep if you keep doing it, everyone dies, right? Or there's one man standing and everyone else is dead. It's like why the Terminator movies are just kind of like getting boring at this point. <laughs> They've been boring for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so then he looks around. He sees that there is a on the ridge he there's i don't know what he sees but he has another escape plan that we know he's going to go pull off but um i'm not exactly sure (laughs) how he just comes to that conclusion um it's lucky really that there's a big opening hole for well i guess it's a it's a well so there would be access from the roof Right, there would be a hole of some sort leading down into that well. There is, so I accept it. Yeah, um, I'm sure he looked at a map and he knows all the ins and outs. He's, right, they've had yeah. the satellite imagery, right? <laughs> that's that's true. Okay, uh, moving on. Now we go to the back to the conversation. Uh, the protagonist is watching Volkov pick uh, pick up. This is interesting. This is how the algorithm is described here in the script. We see Volk, and this is the first time we see it assembled. Uh, yes. The protagonist watches Volkov pick up a black metal geometrically complex bar, dot, 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 the algorithm. 
Yes. So we actually see him attach the last piece, and it just looks like that crazy uh, contraption. Um, it looks uh, like you put on like a camera lens. That's what it looks like. Like each each piece of the algorithm snaps together like a like a camera lens. If you if you've ever messed around yeah. with like an SLR. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. And like each piece of the algorithm had its own unique shape. Yes. And it looks like to me that it is itself a palindrome of shapes. Oh, I don't think so. It doesn't. I'd have you, to. I'd have to look again. It didn't yeah. look like a palindrome of shapes. Uh, great idea, though. Too late to execute. <laughs> also, thinking about this some more, like, is this um, is this the same plot as like Thanos and the Avengers? Get all the stones and destroy the world. Well, isn't that every crazy person's friggin'? <laughs> There's also time travel in there. Is this just like the spy version of Avengers Endgame? There's always like time travel is always comes up in like the third installment of a <laughs> like a, a prolonged series. <laughs> yeah, like Teenage be... Mutant Ninja Turtles, the third one, they go back in time. Back in time. That was a good um, movie. Good movie. No, it was. Oh, no. <laughs> I miss I miss those those days. But that first one, still really good. <laughs> the first one was really good. Super Shredder. Uh, no, yeah. that's the second one. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Super Shredder is the second. Yeah, you can't go straight to Super Shredder. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. First, you introduce them, then yeah. you up the ante in the second one. <laughs> Who were the two other guys? Uh, ah, two... in that one. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of the cartoon. In long the cartoon, time. it's Bebop and Rocksteady. Bebop and like Henchman. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking Which of. Are both named after, are they hip hop bands or are they breakdancing groups? It's beyond my expertise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, now let's get into some deep theological conversations. Right, okay. Protagonist says, uh, you don't believe in God or a new future or anything outside your own experience. Pretty, they, they both have theological beliefs here. <laughs> um, Seder responds. It's different in the script, but I'll respond how you respond in the movie. Uh, the rest is belief, and I don't have it. What he says in the script is, that's all any of us have, and the rest is belief, and I don't have it. So he's saying he doesn't have anything... He is, the protagonist says you don't have you understand anything out of your outside of your own experience, and but isn't that? And he's kind of right in his retort that that's mm-hmm. all anybody has is their own experiences to build on, and everything else is faith, which mm-hmm. the protagonist seems to have some comprehension of faith. So there, it, this is a good back and forth that I think gets lost within just all the action that's going on. Well, I would, I would say like, I don't necessarily think we get the belief system of the protagonist here. I think he's a good negotiator in that <laughs> he knows the right buttons to try and push to try and stop a madman from pushing the button. Right. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, I don't like, we're not, and this is like, you know, the, the biggest criticism of the movie is like the lack of character development on the protagonist. This is not, this is not character development for him, right? This is this uh, is him doing his job as a you know a CIA negotiator. True, he because he is trying. To, he's buying time and he's trying to appeal to 
whatever humanity is left in Seder right. to not do this. Exactly. Because just prior to this, before their God discussion, he brings up his son. Yes. Um, uh, so, and, th and that's what leads into this conversation uh, about Seder. Seder theology. just has the greatest response to every one of the objections, by the way. So Seder, <laughs> you, can't, you can't debate this guy. He's too good. Yeah, he's already... I mean, he's dying. This is the end. He's 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 made his plans. He's got his he's got his lovely wife there. A beautiful Vietnam sunset. <laughs> uh, glass of uh, vodka. <laughs> this is how he chose to go out. Um. Okay. So again, the conversation. Sater says uh, the rest is belief, and I don't have it. Priyank says, without it, you're not human. You're a madman. Seder's response, or a god of sorts. He kind of, <laughs> yeah. He he, he kind of chisels it off at the end uh, of, of sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know we were just talking about God, but <laughs> as if he's singular. Uh, but maybe I'm a god mm -hmm. of sorts. You know, not the like. So Seder seems to have some sort of belief in an overall god. I think, yeah, maybe I don't know, right? Like he's yeah. Uh... There's Maybe. a piece in the script prior to this that it seems to suggest he does have a belief um, okay. in the Christian God uh, that's cut out of the movie in the script. Mm. Um, so it's interesting that he modifies uh, after saying or a God, comparing himself to God, and then chiseling that off or negating that a little bit, just saying eh, of sorts, a demigod, you know, small g, God. Um, and the protagonist responds, uh, you know, like I said, which is their last part of the conversation. Um, uh, and then he sees Volkov trying to figure out how the mechanic... <laughs> seems like Volkov didn't practice how to use the heavy machinery. Like he doesn't exactly know how oh to get the gosh. algorithm. Yeah, watching <laughs> it's him so slow. It. That's the thing. Like you watch that scene a couple times and you start like, just like, wow, this guy is, is he a professional or is he a, like a doofus? Uh, <laughs> Well, I don't know. It comes up in the army a lot where like, you know, you're real, you, you train and train and train to like take a city. But then like afterwards, when you're filling sandbags, somebody goes, Hey, you know how to work a dump truck? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you're in charge of that thing. now. <laughs> it's like you get put in charge of a lot of heavy machinery um, that you really are not trained on. All right. Uh, so operating right. a winch um, to drop an algorithm into a, into the well uh, he seems to not understand how it how it works because and the protagonist is like watching him as he's like hitting the buttons and he's kind of like wincing with each like hit of the button <laughs> like, um uh the, and the last thing that happens is um uh, the, the the stator uh is is alerted to his watch um and then he says our time is up and uh and that is it that's your minute? That's my minute. Yeah, there's not much in here because there's so much action with Neil just driving a truck. Um, and then after this, this goes into, they start talking about Kat. Uh, where it, he okay. says, I'll give you, I'll give my wife your love. Right. And then right. they go, oh yeah. Well, no, I don't know her yet. I wonder like, um, oh, we should have brought this up when we talked about the, the minute where they, they get pulled out of the well. Right. But like there's like nine <laughs> seconds left on the clock. Right. When the rope, you know, ends up down the well. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, Ives and the protagonist, like, would they really try and like hold on together with that rope and get pulled out so they can all be saved with the algorithm? Or like, would they be more pragmatic in the moment and just try and tie the algorithm to the rope and stay down there? Like what, what would really happen if there's nine seconds left? Huh? It's a great question. I mean, well, we're writing a movie, so you want your, you want, <laughs> that's a great ending too. With the protagonist dying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Neil's left with the algorithm, but then by the understanding that all these people recognize the protagonist, oh, like we know he survives. It wouldn't work though, because then Neil wouldn't know to go back in to unlock the door. Also that too. Yeah. Also, it's kind of like, how does Neil know about the door? They mentioned it. They mentioned it because he says something like, oh, oh yeah, he says, used, open- we could have used your help opening that door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is Ives way of saying like, Hey, like you gotta, you gotta go back and do it again. <laughs> oh, Hey, that was you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that is an interesting, that's interesting. I could see it. I could see them having to write that into the script to make it make sense. Right. Yeah. But then yeah. also you're right. It could just be them understanding the mechanics of the temporal pincer. Um, and I've subtly going, hmm, no, I don't know who unlocked that door. I know a good lock pick around here, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's 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 sneaky like that. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, Ives has a little bit more cunning, I think, than, he the, than the other two. Absolutely does. He's like the he's... one I, w- I want to know more about him than than either of the other two guys at this point. Because mm. he's got a backstory. That should be the sequel to this. It's just like yeah. Ives' story. Ives is, yeah. I was just watching um, the Macbeth. Uh, the new Macbeth with Denzel hmm. and he's got the same beard his his son does oh, okay. so it made me think it was making me think again could he play old man protagonist <laughs> <laughs> got the same beard Ives rocking the same beard who would play old man Ives old man Ives hmm. alright well uh, I think that concludes our, our episode this week thank you all for listening to the Ten of Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review this podcast on whatever service you found us on. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Ten of Men, and be rest assured, and rest assured, folks, we will continue this temporal pincer movement next week. It's 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 already happens. What's happens happens. Uh, yeah. We'll see you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. <laughs>